Welcome to the Podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blalock entitled, The Church, from our series, You're So Basic. Thankful today that he reigns, that he's with us. Amen. If you have your Bible, I'm in 1 Peter chapter 2 today. 1 Peter chapter 2. So glad to see you gathered in the Lord's house today, men. We had a great service at 9. Uh, most of our senior adults are in that one. Uh, and um, most of our families with kids are in this one. Kids Church is open, and we're very thankful for that. Pastor Austin was so ready to see his crew, and uh, glad to have that up and rolling as well. Amen. If you have your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be looking today. Whether we're gathered to worship here uh, in person or whether you're joining us online, I'm glad you're gathering to worship with us today. Some don't feel it's quite safe yet for them in their family situation. Thanks for joining us online. But I'm grateful to be able to gather in person today. Amen. So thankful for that. You get to be in our space, in the Lord's house, and in his presence together. And I'm glad to see you here to worship with us. Amen. Amen. Today, as we return to church campus, some of our kids are returning to school campuses. Some of them already have last week. Some of them will be coming back this next week. Others are doing school online in different ways. But I remember when Shay and I taught school, one of the things we did at the beginning of every year is we reviewed a little bit of the previous year. Because we learned that if you don't do that, something happens over the summer, right? Uh, you know, regardless of what they send home and regardless of what they assign over the summer, I know that not much education happens in the summer, amen? It just doesn't. And so when you come back to campus, you need a review. Say a review. You just need a refresher course, right? I mean, you need to be reminded of the things that you left off on last year just before you get back into the groove of everything for the current year. Well, we often feel that way, man. Well, I want to talk to you for the next few weeks on the sermon series, You're So Basic. And we're going to be talking about the basics of the Christian life, the fundamentals of the Christian faith, amen? So we're talking about this. In pop culture today, that phrase, you're so basic, has a very different meaning. If someone accuses you of being basic, it basically means that you're the kind of person who jumps on the bandwagon of every new trend that's out there. If it's happening and it's popular in culture, you're part of it, right? You jump on it. You, In marketing, we call that an early adopter. You're one of the first people who jump on the new thing. Some of us are late adopters, right? Some of you just got rid of your flip phone. That's okay. It's just, you'll catch up. It's, you'll, you'll get there with the rest of us. Many of us oftentimes are people who jump on bandwagons and we like trends and fads and things like that. I'm not talking about fads and trends in this series. I am talking about basic, however, the basic fundamentals of the Christian life. Because at the end of the day, no matter what trends you follow, no matter what new thing you hop on, your ability to live a faithful Christian life is always going to come back to a handful of basic things. It's going to come back to a handful of basic disciplines, say disciplines. Things like prayer and Bible study and serving and witnessing and giving and being part of a local congregation. It's going to come back to some basic doctrines, some basic things that we believe together, some basic things that we celebrate together. Uh, the, the truths, key markers of what defines us as Christian believers. And it's going to come back to some basic Christian attitudes, say attitudes. Things like courage and humility and forgiveness and walking in grace. These are the kinds of things the Lord has called us to do, and those things will never go away. Sometimes it's all about getting back to the basics. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. From 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 9 and 10 in just a moment. 
It was the first day of spring training camp. The year was 1961, and 38 members of the Green Bay Packers football team were standing on the football field ready to begin their practice time. It had been a tough season for them the time before because they had squandered a lead to lose the NFL NFL National Championship to the Philadelphia Eagles. They thought they just needed some minor tweaks and maybe some upgrading on some special things, and they would be perfect for the next year but their head coach Vince Lombardi did not agree with that he was not buying it he had a very different idea of what his team needed in order to be ready for the next football season so as those 38 men stood before him and he walked out on the football field he decided that what they needed more than anything was to start with the basics he took nothing for granted and he began a tradition of starting from scratch every practice season assuming that the players were blank slates who didn't have any carryover knowledge from the previous year. So he walked out on the football field, held up a pigskin in his right hand, and looked at the 38 players and said, Gentlemen, this is a football. Now, I can't quote much the rest of his speech, and if you know Vince Lombardi, you know why. But uh, he started with that. Gentlemen, this is a football. Sometimes you just need to be reminded of the basic fundamental truth of everything, right? Well, I'm going to tell you today, for the next few weeks as Christians, we're going to start with those basic fundamentals. And today, the first one that I want to begin with is simply this. Christian, this is a church. And we're going to talk about the church today and what it means to be in and part of the church of the Lord Jesus. So if you have your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, this is our text today. Hear the word of the Lord. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you should proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. May God bless the reading of his word, and his people said, amen. In the New Testament, the word church, the word that's translated church in your Bible, is nearly always this one Greek word, and the word is ekklesia. Say that with me, ekklesia. If you're going to get dressed for church, you ought to learn some Greek words, right? I mean, it's part of the price of admission. Ecclesia is the word. It comes from two words. Ek on the front of it, that little prefix means out of or from. And then kaleo, where we get that last part from, klesia, is the word to call. And so literally, if you put those two words together, ecclesia means a group of people who have been called out of a larger group. You have been called out of the world into the family of God. That's the idea of ecclesia. Literally, the church is the called out assembly. Say that with me. The called out assembly. That's what ecclesia really means. In um, the Old Testament, this idea comes up. The word is used um, by Stephen. and He talks about the church being the ecclesia. The church in the wilderness is what he calls them. The congregation of Israel in the wilderness. They were God's called out people back then. But I want to tell you today, there's another idea behind this word that I think is, is beautiful and it's informative to help us understand what it means to be part of the church. 
In the Greek culture, they use this word not to describe what we're doing this morning, but to describe something very different. In Greek culture, in a city-state, the ecclesia was the group of citizens who had been called out to assemble together in order to be a legislative body. In other words, they sat together to establish rules and to set order, and they made decisions, and they decided what was allowed and what was not allowed. They controlled things in the place where they lived. They were the power players. They were the group within the group. They were the ones called out from the larger group to make decisions for the group. They were important people. They were the ecclesia. And I think about that today. When God calls the church the ecclesia, what does that mean for us? Well, I think spiritually it's the same idea. Whenever God looks down at our world, He doesn't see things the same way that you and I see them. God doesn't divide things up the way that we do. He doesn't look at the world through the same set of glasses that you and I do. When God looks on the world and he is trying to find a way to affect change in the world, he is not primarily looking at the government to do that. He is primarily looking at the church to do that because the church is the ecclesia of God. We are the called out people of God, called out in order to make a difference, called out in order to exercise authority, called out in order to stand before God and to do business with him on behalf of our community around us. Whenever God looks at the community here, he's not wondering what are the police going to do. He's not wondering what is the mayor going to do. He's not wondering any of that. When God looks at this little neighborhood that you and I are part of, he says, you know what? That neighborhood ought to be all right. And the reason that neighborhood ought to be all right is not because there's a police station nearby, but because there's an ecclesia sitting on the corner. And that ecclesia ought to be making a difference in that community because we are the ones who are called to stand before God. We are the ones who gather and put our foot down and say the devil can come this far but he can't come any farther. We are the ones who stand before heaven and say God we need you to move for us. God we need you to send your angels. God we need you to pour out your spirit. We are the ones who go in and affect change in our community. Jesus said the church is the salt of the earth. Jesus said the church is the light of the world. We are the ones who gather in order to effect a spiritual change in the community that we're part of. We are the ecclesia of God. That's who we are. Gentlemen, this is a football. Christian, this is a church. This is what it means to be part of the church of Jesus. The general idea is this word, we are called out. Say that with me. Called out out. That's the big idea I want in your mind today. If you only remember two words pastor says today, it ought to be called out. That is the big idea today. We're called out. Number one, to be the church means we're called out by God. We have been called out by God, called out of the world into the kingdom of God. And that's how Stephen uses the word in Acts 7. He talks about the church in the wilderness. Who were they? They were the children of Israel who were called out of Egyptian bondage into the wilderness to serve and follow God. They were called out of slavery. They were called out of their former life in order to be the new people of God. That is how ecclesia works. The only way you can become part of the church is you have to be personally called by God. 
Well, wait a minute, I thought only pastors and preachers got called by God. No, friend, every Christian is called by God. You got called out of the world into the church. That's how you became a Christian. You heard the voice of Jesus calling, and you answered and responded to his call by faith. That's how you got in. Otherwise, you're not really in. I'm convinced there are a lot of people who are at church, but they aren't in church. <laughs> because you can be at the church and not be in the church. You can be at the church just by attending and showing up at the building, but to be in the church means you've been called out by God into this reality called the kingdom of God and the church of the Lord Jesus. Levi got called out of the tax collector's booth. Peter, James, and John got called by Jesus off of Zebedee's fishing boat. Saul of Tarsus got called and knocked off the back of his horse, and he got called into the church of the living God. Lazarus got called by Jesus in his own tomb, and Jesus called him and he came forth living and walking. We often sing it on Sunday morning, you called my name and I ran out of that grave. That's what I'm talking about. That's how you became part of the church of Jesus. It's not just an organization you decided to join. It's not just standing down front and making a commitment to a physical local body. No, no. The way you got into the church of Jesus was he called you and you answered and responded to that call. It's the old song we used to sing when I was growing up. I'm in this church, this glorious church. I didn't join, no, I was born. I had a new birth. You and I are brought into the church by being called into it from the outside by Jesus. We're Christians because we responded to the call of God by His grace. Hear me today, 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see it? You're in the fellowship because you were called into the fellowship by God. It's, it's just as plain as the, as the nose on your face. You were called into the fellowship. Amen. That's what he says here. Jude 1.11, when Jude writes to the church, this is how he describes the church. To those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ. The church is called by God. Say called. Well, don't get the big head just because you're called because let me tell you the kind of people who get called. It's not always the cream of the crop. It's not always the top of the heap. or It's often the bottom of the barrel. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, he says, You see your calling, brethren, there that word is again, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Wow. So if you notice, God often picks the people that everybody else passes over. This is how it was for Jesus. Jesus picked people to be his disciples that no one else would have picked. What do you mean? Think about it. Whenever Jesus was picking disciples, Jesus wasn't the only one picking disciples. Every rabbi would go around and choose followers for himself. If you wanted to study God's law, you had to be called and chosen by the rabbi. The teacher had to pick you to be part of his class. And if no rabbi picked you, you didn't get to be part of the rabbinical school. You didn't get to study God's law at that higher level. It was sort of like college. Everyone studied it some in the synagogue. Every Jewish male had an education in the law. But if you wanted to go on to grad school in the Word of God, a teacher had to interview you, believe you were promising enough and bright enough, and he had to invite you to be his disciple. And he would do that by saying, come follow me. That was the words a rabbi used to call his disciples. Well, when we find Peter, James, and John, when we find Matthew at the tax booth, when we find these guys, guess what? You know why they're working? 
Because they hadn't been picked. That's why. They had not been called by any other rabbi to be part of the school. But Jesus passes by these people that everybody else passed over. And Jesus says, I pick you and I pick you and I pick you. Come follow me. Why? Because he doesn't pick like everybody else picks. He doesn't choose the noble or the wise or the mighty whenever he calls. He calls us because he loves us. He calls us and he desires us. And my question for you today is, have you been called? Have you heard the voice of Jesus calling you out of the world into the church of the Lord Jesus? Have you been called out? Say called out. That's the big idea. Have you been called out to be part of the people of God? You may come to the church, but you're not in the church unless Jesus calls you out of the world and into his assembly. The church is the company of men and women who've been called out by Jesus. Called out by God. And number two, we are called out of darkness. Say that with me. Called out of darkness. That's where we are. You and I are called out of darkness into light. We read it a moment ago. 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people. The King James says a peculiar people. That's, that's all right. A peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is the reason. We've been called out of the dark. So in other words, the church is an assembly, but it's not just any kind of assembly. There's a character to it that we must have to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. We're called out of darkness. We're called to separate ourselves from this sinful world. We're called to obey and follow Jesus as Lord and Master. We are not just a group of people who gather to observe religious rituals once a week. Paul said that Jesus gave himself up for us in order to deliver us from this present evil age by the will of God the Father. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. He saved us in order to deliver us out of the present evil age. So you weren't just called into the kingdom but you were called out of darkness. You're called to leave the present evil age, to separate from it, to not participate in the evil of the world around you. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says that we were not called unto uncleanness but we were called unto holiness. So when God called you to be saved, he also called you to a holy life. Amen. Called unto holiness. That's what we were called to. Out of darkness to walk in the light of God's word. That's why we ask you when you join the church of God, are you willing to walk in the light of the scripture as it shines on your path? We have to be willing to leave the darkness and walk in the light in order to be a member of God's church. Amen. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to his works, but his own grace and purpose in Christ Jesus. We've been called with a holy calling. It's a holy call. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 that Paul greets the church and he says, he, this is how he greets them, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Do you see it? Called to be saints. If you're called to be saved, you're called to be a saint. How do you know? Look at the last line. Call to be saints with all. Say all. Who in every place. Say every place. Call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. If you call Jesus Lord, Paul says, then you're called to be a saint. You're called to be sanctified. You're called to live a holy life. 
You're called to do that. You bear the name of Jesus. It is a gracious call. We could never earn it or deserve it. God calls us by his own free grace because he loves us. We don't deserve it or work our way into it. But it is not only a gracious call, it is also an upward call. It calls us from where we are to higher ground, to leave our old life and enter into a new life. Paul says in Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4.1, he urges the church to walk worthy of the calling that they received. So you've been called by God and you've been called out of darkness to live a life that is worthy of the name that you now bear. That's a beautiful thought. Called out of darkness. Called out by God. And finally, we are called for God's glory. Say that with me. Called for God's glory. Say it like you had Wheaties this morning. Called for God's glory. Notice why we're called. Chapter, one, chapter 2, verse 9. Why did he do this? In order that you may show forth or proclaim the praises of him who called you. You and I were saved to proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of the darkness. We were saved in order to show forth or make manifest his excellencies, his worth, his value to the world around us. Jesus called us for his glory. This theme runs through the whole book of 1 Peter. In chapter 1, verse 15, he says you were called to be holy. In chapter 2, we just read you were called out of darkness. In chapter 2, verse 21, he says you were called to suffer with Christ. In chapter 3, he says you were called to be a blessing in chapter 5 he says you were called to eternal glory with Christ you are called by God if you're in the church amen why because the church is not a human institution I want you to get that the church is not a human institution it's not like the Lions Club it's not like the Rotary Club it's not like the Masons or the Eastern Star it's not like anything in the world that is out there the church is not like any of that why because number one the church is built by Christ say built by Christ the church is built by Christ he tells Simon Peter in Matthew 16, he says, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church, Jesus said. Preachers don't build the church. I don't have to build the church. Jesus builds the church. If anything, we're just tools in the hands of God that he uses to build with. But the one who builds his church is the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church. He said it was his church. It's his church. He will build it, and hell won't be able to stop it. It is a divine institution. The church is built by Christ. Number two, the church is bought by Christ. Say that with me. Bought by Christ. When Paul tells the Ephesian elders before he says goodbye to them for the last time in Acts 20, verse 28, he says, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, that you shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Jesus bought the church with his own blood. You know, an object's value is determined by how much you will pay for it. And if you've ever played around on eBay, it's amazing what some people will pay for. Amen? It's amazing how much some people will pay for something if they want it really badly enough. Have you ever been to an auction? Raise your hand. You've been to an auction? Have you, 
my parents on Saturday night, their favorite thing in this world to do was to drive over to Mac Adams, Mississippi and sit in this auction barn and for hours people would bring, I'm not talking about an antique auction, I'm talking about a junk auction. I mean people bring just whatever they wanted to get rid of from their house and the most random items would pass through that auction. The, the most strange things that you've ever seen would come through there. I mean it was like people just cleaned out their garage and what they couldn't sell in the garage sale and what the Salvation Army wouldn't even take from them for free would show up at the auction bar on Saturday night. It was a big deal. They had a concession stand, which is where I hung out mostly. <laughs> I didn't make money. I spent money. They had the best hamburgers in Ottawa County at the auction barn. And we would go and the kids would hang outside. Next door there was a little place, a little convenience store had a pool table. We stayed over there and played. But our parents sat in there and bought junk Saturday night after Saturday night after Saturday. And it was amazing to me what some people would pay for some stuff. What was always fun is when people get in a bidding war and they go back and forth and back and forth and they're just fighting. And you think, man, these two are going to meet outside after this is over if one of them doesn't get this. And they tie up because they want it so badly. What I learned in the auction barn was this simple principle. Value is determined by what someone is willing to pay. Value is determined by what someone is willing to pay. We live in a world today that doesn't place a very high value on the church of the Lord Jesus. We live in a world today where many governments don't place a very high value on the church of the Lord Jesus. But they don't get to determine what the value of the church is. There's only one person who determines what the value of the church is. And that's the person who bought her. And he bought her at the price of his own blood. And if value is determined by the price paid, there is no organization or institution on this planet any more valuable than the church of the Lord Jesus because she was bought and paid for with the blood of the sinless Son of God. <laughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank God for the church. I've given my life to the church because he gave his life for the church. And the church is valuable and the church is essential and the church matters. Amen. Don't tell me the liquor store is essential and the church is not essential. If you'd get in the church, you'd stay out of the liquor store. We've got something to drink from you don't know anything about. Hallelujah. Mm. The church is built by Christ. The church is bought by Christ. And the church is beautified by Christ. What do you mean? The Bible says in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word so that he might present her to himself, a glorious church that has no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's the picture. He bought us so that he might beautify us. He saved us so that he might sanctify us and present us to himself as a bride on her wedding day. That's the point. That's the goal of our salvation. And it's also the problem with hyper-grace teaching that has infiltrated much of the modern church today. I'm not talking about just preaching grace. I believe in grace. Amen. I believe grace so strong it'd make a Baptist blush. Amen. I believe in grace. But what I don't believe is what I don't believe in is cheap grace. I don't believe in greasy grace, as my pastor called it growing up. Sloppy agape is what he said. I don't believe that. What do you mean, preacher? I mean grace that makes the blood of Jesus a doormat for us to wipe our feet on while we keep going out in the world and living in sin. 
I mean grace that says, oh, just God accepts you because of Christ and you don't have to change. Grace that says, oh, you're accepted and it doesn't matter what you do after that. I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. The Bible says that Paul told Titus, the grace of God that brings salvation also teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So if the grace that you've received doesn't make you live right, then the grace you received wasn't saving grace. Because the grace that brings salvation makes you say no to sin. Oh, it's quiet in the holiness church. Do you hear me today? The grace of God changes us. Jesus didn't just die to, free, to forgive us of our sins. He rose to free us from our sins. If all I needed was forgiveness, he could have died and not rose. But I needed to be delivered from my sin. I needed the power of sin broken off my life. And so Jesus didn't just die on Calvary to forgive me. He rose from the dead to free me from the stranglehold of sin in my life. So that I could live a different kind of life. This is what it means to be called by God. We are called out of the world. We're called out of darkness. We're called out of the present evil age. We're called to separate ourselves from the wicked world around us. We're called to live differently. The problem with the hyper-grace message is that people think they're going to walk down the aisle to the marriage supper of the Lamb and be married to Jesus in the same filthy garment he found them in when he rescued them. But the Bible says... That between our salvation and our glorification, between the day I meet him here and the day I meet him in glory, he's going to sanctify me and cleanse me and wash me with water by the word. And when I stand before him on that day, I won't have a spot. I won't have a wrinkle. I won't have a blemish. My garment will be white in the blood of Jesus. And my life will be clean because I'm called out. And I live like somebody who's been called out. This is what it means to be the church. Christian, this is a church. A called out assembly of those who've trusted Christ and heard his voice. And I close with this today. Called for God's glory. Called out of darkness into his light. Called out to be his forever. The bottom line is this. In order to be in the church, you must have heard and responded to the personal call of Jesus. There's no verse clearer, I think, on this subject than Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. That's it. If you can't say that verse and mean it, then you're not in the church. You're just at the church. Because to be in the church means he has redeemed me. He has called me by my name and I know that I belong to him. I know that he called me and I know that I've answered and I've responded. Jesus calls us and we respond in faith and that's how we get to be part of his church. Do you understand the nature and the value of the church? Do you just come to church or are you in the church? Have you heard the voice of Jesus calling you by name out of sin, separating you from the world to be his? You see, all the preacher can do on Sunday morning is give the outward call, but the Spirit can give the inward call. Come help me, Chad. The Bible says in Revelation at the end of the book, the Spirit and the bride say, come. I love that. 
Who is the bride? The church. We are the bride of Christ. And every Sunday when the preacher gets up to preach, what does he do? He says on behalf of the church, come to Jesus. Come trust in Christ. Come into the church. Come join us in following Jesus. Come join us in loving the Lord. Come follow us and go with us to heaven one day. That's what the church says. The spirit and the bride say come. The bride says come every time the preacher preaches. The bride says come every time the invitation is given. The bride says come every time the altar is open. The bride is saying come, come. But just because the bride says come doesn't mean you'll come. You won't ever come until you hear the Spirit say come. When I was about 12 years old, I had attended a little church for about six months. And the only voice I'd heard was the voice of my pastor, Brother James Lucius. And he preached every Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday night. And he preached and I heard his voice. But one Sunday night, when I slipped into the back of the church and the sermon began, I didn't hear Brother Lucius's voice. I heard a different voice. I didn't just hear an outward voice. I heard an inward voice. I heard the voice of the Lord Jesus speaking to me by His Spirit and tapped me on the shoulder and said, Daniel, this is about you. This gospel that He's preached to you for the last six months, it's about your life. You are a sinner who needs a Savior. You need to trust Christ. You need to repent of your sins. You need to surrender your heart and life. You need to come into the church of Jesus. And that night, I slipped out of my seat and knelt at an altar. Because that night, I didn't just hear my pastor's outward call. I heard the Spirit's inward call. He called my name. And I ran out of that grave. That's what it means to be a Christian. You've heard and responded to the personal call of Jesus. I have called you by name, he says, and you are mine. Can you say that? Jesus has called you by name and you're his because you responded in faith to his call. That's what it means. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Charles Wesley, the hymn writer, wrote in Over a Thousand Tongues to Sing, verse 5, he says, He speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. That's what I'm talking about today. The last verse says, hear him, you deaf. You praise his tongue, your loosened tongues employ. You blind, behold your Savior come and leap you lame for joy. How can the lame leap or the blind see or the deaf hear or the dumb sing? When Jesus speaks, all those things happen. When you hear the voice of Jesus, it makes all the difference. Stand with me all over the house today. Church, this is the way into the kingdom of God. This is the way into the church of the Lord Jesus. He speaks and you hear Him in your heart and you respond by trusting Him and giving your heart and life to Him. The world will try to cut in between you and Jesus, but like Zacchaeus, Jesus has seen you and He's calling you to come down and receive Him. Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe. But like Bartimaeus, Jesus passes by. And if you'll call on him today, he will open your blind eyes and he will let you see again. You may be dead in your trespasses and sins. But this same Jesus who called Lazarus out of his grave is passing by today. And he will call your name. And the dead, hearing his voice, new life receive. Hear him today. Hear him. Listen and respond to him with faith. Pastor, I don't know if he's calling me or not, but I sure want to come 
and be part of His family. Listen, you would never seek Him if He had not sought you first. You wouldn't want Him if He didn't want you. Oh, Pastor, I just think it's up to us. You know, some people want to seek God and some people don't. Nobody seeks God until God lays His hand on them. And some of them even then don't seek God. You have to respond. But I'm telling you, God, you don't start this. God does. Oh, I can seek the Lord whenever I get ready. No, you can't. Romans 3 says, There is none who seek God. No, not one. You will never call on Him until you first hear His voice calling on you. There are people who have been at church for years, but they've never been in the church. Thanks for being at church, but my question is, are you in the church? Are you a Christian? Are you born again? Has He called your name? And have you heard and have you responded by surrendering your heart to Christ? If not, you're just at church. I want you to be in the church part of the church. Get in. How do I do that? Respond to the voice of Jesus. If you feel nervous today, if you feel tense today, if you feel a hand on your shoulder today, you feel a lump in your throat, you feel a pressure on your heart, that's not the preacher doing that. That's not the pastor doing that. I'm not that good. I don't have that ability. That is the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. That is Jesus calling your name. That is God putting His hand on your heart. That is Him calling you out of the world, out of the dark, into the kingdom. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Will you come? Will you enter the family of God? Will you come into the church of Jesus? That's the question today. What a privilege. Close with this. Old hymn of the church. I learned it in college. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, O weary one, lay down your head upon his breast. I came to Jesus as I was, so weary, worn, and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one. Stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in Him. I heard the voice of Jesus say, I am this dark world's light. Look unto me, thy morn shall rise and all your days be bright. So I looked to Jesus and I found in Him my star, my sun. And in the light of life I'll walk till pilgrim days are done. Have you heard the voice of Jesus? Have you responded? Has there ever been a moment in your life when you were sitting in church and you heard a voice other than the preacher's called down on the inside of you and you knew all of a sudden that this gospel church business was about you and your separation from God being bridged on the cross of Calvary by the blood we sang about just a few minutes ago? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Have you heard the call to come out of the dark into the church to serve and follow Jesus? Every head bowed this morning all over this place. Pray with me. Father, I love you. Lord, I've done my best to preach the most basic message about what it means to be part of the church. The people who've been called out by you to leave the world and be yours, completely yours. Fear not, I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name and you are mine. That's the call. Father, I pray today for people in this room, people in this building who would be honest enough to say, Pastor, I'm at church, but I'm not in the church. 
I attend, but I am not part of it. I have not heard and responded to the call. Lord, I pray today that, God, you'd call somebody in this service into your kingdom. I pray that today would be the day they hear the voice of the Son of God, calling their dead heart back to life, opening their blind eyes to see their need for Christ, unlocking their deaf ears to hear and understand the message of the cross. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they come. Lord, I ask you to do what we can't. Give life to the dead. Do the miracle of the new birth today in somebody's heart and life. Bring them into the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed. If you're here today for a moment and you say, Pastor, I'm at church, but I'm not in church. Would you pray for me? I need to cross over that line and become a child of God by faith in Christ. Just slip up your hand today and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. I'm at church, but I'm not in it. I'm not really part of it. Just being honest. Had some even in our first service this morning among seasoned people who slipped their hand and said, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I'm at church often, but I'm not in it. Just being honest with the Lord. You here today? Thank you. Others? Just being honest with the Lord. Father, Lord, I pray today for my friends, Lord, who are honest enough to say, Lord, Lord, I've been around it. I've participated in it. I've jumped through all the hoops. I've done all the steps. I've, I've stood before the church. I've been baptized in water. I've, I've done all the stuff. I've, I come to the studies and I attend the services and I stand when I'm supposed to stand and I sing when I'm supposed to sing and, and I do all the stuff that I'm supposed to do. But Lord, I know in my heart there's something missing because there's not been this one-on-one, you called me and I responded. There's not been this change of coming out of the world into the kingdom. Lord, I pray today to be the day they hear the voice of the Son of God. Lord, I pray today to be the day that some soul in this room counts the cost and says, I am willing to walk out of this world. I'm willing to walk away from the old sinful lifestyle that I've lived, and I am willing to come running into the arms of the Son of God. Lord, I pray that today be the day they hear a voice other than the preacher's. And they get moved by more than their emotions. But that the Spirit of God creates faith in their heart to believe on Jesus as their Savior. Lord, do that work this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I want to open the altar as Chad leads us in a song of praise. If you're a believer, celebrate with me what Jesus has done. If you're not, if things aren't right, I urge you, come find a place to kneel and pray this morning. Come and find a place to kneel. And let Jesus call you out and call you into his family. And come and trust in him. Respond to the voice of the Son of God. This altar is open this morning. Come and pray. Come and pray. Chad, lead us this morning. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org. Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.